Well, it's good to see you all. I, I know most people here, but for those of you who don't know me, my name's Roger. been in the church since it started, publicly, and uh, here to stay. So it's good, yeah. I haven't got long left, but I'm here to stay. <laughs> 120 years. I'm halfway then, 120 years, halfway there. Halfway year, yes. Okay, great. Well, I have um, some things to share. You'll be pleased to know. Are you all comfortable? Well, don't be. <laughs> you might remember the other week, two or three weeks ago, I think, um, I stood up and shared something about a violin. Do you remember that? I was sharing that um, I'd been to a music practice on the, the Thursday the, the week before, and I'd been playing the violin, and um, I picked my violin up. It was all in tune, lovely. And uh, we started to play the first song, and I couldn't understand why. I knew what key we were in, but somehow it didn't seem to tie up. Uh, why I thought it should be flattened strings or whatever, if you bear with me. Uh, it didn't work. So I said to Phil, Phil, what key are we in? And he told me the key. And I said, oh, it doesn't sound like that key to me. And he sort of smiled at me, kind of, there, there, Roger, never mind. So then we played the next song, which was Joe's song. Um, and it was, I really couldn't play it. I didn't, what is going on? And then I had a brainwave. I said, oh, just give me an A. Give me a, a tune. And I found my violin was a semitone out. So that might mean, not mean a lot to you, but it meant that if I play what I think's right... It's out of kilter with everybody else. Not that they were out of kilter, but I was out of kilter with everyone else. So I shared that, that, um, that Sunday night. I was thinking about it the next day, and God gave me quite a bit more on that. So I want to start with sharing that, if I may. Um, so those of you who are not musical, please bear with me, because it does make sense. You just have to listen and concentrate a bit harder. For those of you who are musical, hopefully I'm not um, talking heresy. But uh, what I realized was... The, my violin, my instrument, needs to be tuned to a standard. And the standard in that situation was the piano, because the piano can't, you can't tune the piano, so that's the standard. We all tune to the piano. So once I got the notes, A, and, and my other strings, I was in tune fine. Then I could play in harmony. I'm not saying, you know, it was a, it was a given. I had to play in harmony then, even, even though I was in I had to use it well. But I was being to thinking about this. And I remembered that when I was a youngster in an orchestra, playing in an orchestra, I used to have to go and play in an orchestra on a Saturday morning, uh, we, all, we all had to tune to, to the oboe. And the oboe played an A, and we all got a string. So that on the violin, I get my A string in tune with their, their A string, the oboe's A string, and then I tune the whole instrument to it. Or you could tune to a tuning fork, and I bought my tuning fork, Hey, I was just showing to Theo, because Theo's a budding violinist. He's got a violin. He's been playing. So I was getting him to remember the note for when he got home. But we tuned to, to the standard, the standard of A. And you're saying, well, this is a spiritual meeting, Roger, and you're on about music. What's it all about? I realized that the, what we're tuning to is love. The A is love. We're to tune our instruments... Or let me move the analogy on slightly, because you might have already made the leap. I know I'm not the brightest fork in the box or whatever they say. I'm an instrument for God to play. You're an instrument for God to play. God wants to, to use you to make beautiful music. God has made you in a certain way to make beautiful music. So he wants each one of us in tune so he can use us. So we need to tune to the A. So as God's instrument, I need to be in tune to love. I need to love. That's the key thing. If I'm not in tune to love, 
I'm worthless, I'm pointless. It's uh, Corinthians 13, which I'll read in a little while. But I was having a little think, and I'm going to call this a picture, but it wasn't a picture in the sense of we get up and say, I had a picture. But this is like a picture. I was just using my imagination. And I imagined that the Holy Spirit was saying to the Father, uh, Oh, Father, I'm going down to worship on the streets today to worship through faith life and uh, YWAM. And we're going to reach people and worship and reach people on the streets down in Cambridge. Father already knows, but this is what you're saying. And Father said, Cool. I love those guys. They're great instruments. Are you going to play my son Roger? And the Holy Spirit said, well, I'd love to. But the problem with Roger is he keeps going out of tune. I tune him up to love, and by the time we get there, he starts off all right, but then he slips out, and he's not in love anymore. So I tried to use him, but... He's, um, he's out of tune. Sometimes he's flat. Sometimes he's sharp. He's screechy. Yeah? And the father said, well, that's a real shame. I'd like you to play for him more. I've made him. I've created him to play beautiful music. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, it is a shame. Hopefully he will change as I work with him. In the meantime, I'm going to play through Olive, or Connie, or Maggie, or Phil. They're much more reliable. They stay in tune to love. So the Holy Spirit says, listen out, Father. We're going to make beautiful music on the streets of Cambridge. And it's quite sharp, isn't it? It's quite sharp for me. I'm not musically sharp. It's quite sharp, cutting sharp. Yeah? And I'm not saying God can't use us, but I'm saying we are much more useful to God if we're tuned to love. So I need to tune to love and stay in tune. So I want to read to you a couple of passages, and you need to kind of stretch your mind a little bit, because these really, some of these pas- this one passage is only really read at weddings. So I'm not talking about smushy romantic love. I'm talking about God's love, yeah, the love that he wants us the love he has for us, first and foremost, and the love he wants us to have for others. So I'm reading from the uh, Passion translation. It's got a bit of passion in it. And I'm going, I'm not, I was going to read the whole chapter, but for time I won't. I'll start from verse 4. So you'll have to pin back your ears and listen a little bit, because it's really good. Actually, I don't want to keep holding this. Theo, can you hold my tuning fork, please? There you go, you look after that for me, yeah, as a fellow violinist. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. In the ESV, ESV it says, love is patient. I thought I can close it there and say, okay, there, there you go. That's your next six months' work. Love is patient. <laughs> yeah? No, you're more holy than I am. Okay, it's only me that has problems there. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. 
love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. So for those of you who live that completely, if you put your hands up, you can come and tell us how. We need the Holy Spirit here, don't we? Blokes more than girls, really. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. Love. No, Esther doesn't think so. All of us, yeah. We all do, really. We all need... And, and then at the end, sorry, I've, I've, a bit I didn't read. With eight, it says, love never stops loving. And then in 13, it says, until then, which is till... Uh, all these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. And this is great. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And then 1 John 4, 7 to 13, or 7 to 11, again in the Passion. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. And then this is who you are. Delightfully loved ones. Delightfully loved ones. Maybe if you take nothing away, take that away. You're a delightfully loved one this morning. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. So I just say that to give a sense of, of God's love, how much he loves us. He wants us to carry that love for ourselves, but then carry that love for other people. And we all agree, we come short, we fall short. We, but God is continually wanting us to, to tune us in. And I'll talk about that a bit more in a minute. But, so my question is, how do we tune to love? Because it's all very well me saying, we need to tune to love, and you all go, yeah, 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 and then we go home. But how? How do we tune to love? How do I tune my violin? The way I tune my violin is I listen to the note. Theo's got my tuning fork. Listen to the note. Then I do my violin, ding, ding, ding. If it's not right, I turn the peg until it gets right. I make adjustments until it's in tune with what I hear. How do we tune our lives? We listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. And then we make adjustments in our lives. So we need to spend time with him listening, what his love is like, receiving his love, and make the adjustments. I, I was doing this a little bit before we went to worship on the streets. We call it what's, actually, if I can call it what's, you know, worship on the street. That's what we mean by that. So we basically we go out and we worship and chat to the people who come by. But I was, before... I went out yesterday, we were, I was just reading, I was reading in Matthew 6, sorry, Luke 6, which was where I was up to, and I, I had to do a bit of tuning yesterday, I have to say, before I went out. These are the bits I read, Luke 6, 27, it says, love your enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. And then this is a bit that, that really sort of I need to go and listen to tune to. He says, For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So that's what he wants me to be like. He wants me to be kind to the ungrateful. It's easy to be kind to grateful people. It's easy to be kind, you know, ungrateful people. They don't deserve it. They do. Because that's what God asked us to do. So that's the bit of tuning that, that I had to go through yesterday in, before I went out in the street to get that into me that I need to be... Whether I did it or not, it's another matter because we did have one or two little incidents that went on um, and perhaps I was being pre-prepared. So God loves us so much. And I talked about this last time when I talked about the Migdal leader. I talked about, you know, his banner over me first. So that's his banner over you. So I need to receive first, then give. His banner over me is love. Then the banner over you is love. Banner over us is love. I need to receive first. I need to know first so I can share it with you. But I do need to share it with you. Yeah? I do need to share it with you. I need to learn to walk in love. I need to get rid of the bad attitudes, selfishness, uh, all those other things that we could name. And I need to do love. This is a tip that someone sort of shared, I think, at some kind of marriage weekend or something. You have to do loving things even when you don't feel it. Because eventually, you'll feel it. Yeah? And even if you don't feel it, you, you do love. And we know what the loving things are. Mark says to Shell, pay attention. Yeah, sorry. Lord, forgive his kind of whatever. And we need to put on love to the, those around us, don't we? Tune. So we need to tune into love. That's what I'm saying. Tune into love. Tune ourselves into love. Spend time with him. Get love. And then we need to make ourselves available to him. Because he desires to reach people through us. It's not just so that we can have a little loving. Uh, I've got so much love all week that I come to church and we have a little loving. And I can tell Cheryl how much he loves her. She already knows. Um, and then she tells me, I don't always know. But, you know, so it's not for that, is it? It's, he wants to reach the people around us, the people at work, the people in the street, the people in Tesco's or Aldi or Waitrose, if you're posh. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not looking at anywhere, apart from the front row. Uh, Paul. <laughs> yeah, he wants to reach all those people. So I want to give you um, a little picture of, of what I believe God, God is saying to us, a story he wants to use. And it's funny, I don't know how you hear God, but I sometimes hear God in a kind of cheeky way. A kind of cheeky. I was in a gym on the, on the Vario machine listening to another preacher. And I'm not even sure what he was talking about. Actually, I'm not even sure if he used this passage. But all of a sudden, I very cheekily knew what I was supposed to bring. So it, it felt cheeky to me, but it was God speaking anyway. So um, I don't want to throw it away. But it's 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7. I'm not going to read it, I'm going to tell it to you. Um, so you can find it if you like or not if you don't like. It's about Elisha. I'll get in that early. So you sometimes get mixed up Elisha, Elijah, but it's Elisha. And it's about a, a lady, a widow of one of the prophets who's destitute with the sons, got no money, and calls out to Elisha, Elisha, we've got no money, we've got nothing, we're going to die. I think that's what she's in that story. There's another story very similar to it, isn't there? But anyway, she's going to die. 
And Elijah said to her, well, what have you got? And she said, well, all I've got is a jar of oil. Yeah, you remember this story? He said, great, you've got a jar of oil. She said, I've only got a jar of oil. He said, great, you've got a jar of oil. What I want you to do, you and your sons, is go and get vessels from your neighbors. Go and borrow vessels, you know, containers. I had real problems with vessel. I couldn't spell it. I kept putting two S's and one L in my notes. I looked at it, it was wrong. It's one S and two L's, yeah? Yeah. See, I see I had trouble with it, you see? <laughs> Shucks, I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> jars, jars of clay. Yeah, okay, so go and get, and then when you've got them, take them to your house and pour the oil into it. And um, basically what happened was they kept pouring the oil into all the vessels, I don't know how many there were, were filled. And then I just said, um, I want you to go and, uh, I want you to go and sell them. But the way I thought of this story was that we don't operate too much with oil. We do use oil. You know, we've got oil cooking on. But it's not, I'm not talking to you this morning about you need to go to Tesco's and get lots of oil. Um, you can do that if you want to. But I believe God is saying to each one of us, and it's not necessarily comfortable. You know, in the Church of England, we say, these are the comfortable words of Jesus Christ. They aren't that comfortable, are they? Because he wants to use all of us. I want all of us to know that we're all part of this. We're all part of this, and it isn't comfortable. We're going to use, look at another story later on where it talks about not being comfortable, but it's, it's vital. But yeah, so I think we all want to sit down and be comfortable. You all want to see, think it's somebody else. But God is saying to each one of us, I want you to go and get vessels, people. I want you to go and get people. And I want you to fill them with oil. What does that mean? Bit of a bizarre story. You know, we haven't got much, have we, as people? But we've got the Holy Spirit, oil, inside. And if that's who you've got, that's all you need. We don't say, I've only got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got oil. So the, 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 God's saying to us, he wants us to go and get vessels and then pour into those vessels from our lives, from the Holy Spirit, um, so that they can be filled as well. Fetch vessels. We need to be intentional. We need to get people. And what I want to challenge you is, I want to ask you some questions. Who are the vessels that you need to get? Where are they? And how are you going to get them? Because as Mark said earlier, we're all different. We've all got different ministries, and this is going to be different for every everybody. It's not all going out on the green and singing. It might, it's going to be, but God is going to use you, if you'll allow him, if you're tuned to love, he'll use you to influence people's lives, to pour oil into people's lives. So who are the people, who are the vessels that you need to get? Where are they? And how are you going to get them? I can't tell you. I've learned this from Mark. It was, I thought it was a really nice strategy. He said, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit, because he will show you who those people are. And that's great, isn't it? We try and tell people, say, okay, Esther, for you, I think you need to do this and go there. And I don't know what she should be doing, but the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit, if she's willing, the Holy Spirit will use her um, to do that. So we need to fetch vessels. And I've been finding that if I intentionally get in front of people, um, the Holy Spirit will use me and pour through me 
even if I don't feel I've got anything beforehand. I was, uh, we went to, we've been going to the prison, uh, Mike and Joe and myself, um, and through a guy called Edmund, who's a really nice guy, and we go, we've been going the last twice, we've gone to uh, a group of lady prisoners, female prisoners in the, in the prison wing, who go to a Bible study. And it's quite a long Bible study. It's about two and a half hours long, and you just think, gosh, that's long. But then again, they haven't got much else to do. You know, so that's fine. But as we, as we, so we, we basically worship and um, sing some songs, and they join in. It's really good. Um, but at, at one point, and we were joking a bit, because I think Edmund got a little bit mixed up with the names. So he was calling me at one stage, Pastor Mike. So I was thinking, well, that's great, because I can do whatever I like, and Mike will get into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, he, he kind of, as we were singing there, he sort of came up to me slightly and said, I thought he said, I'm going to get you to say a few words. Okay. And then he went to the front and started talking, and I thought, oh, he must have said, I'm going to say a few words. So then he said, oh, Pastor Mike, would you like to say a few words? So I stepped up to the thing like this. I had absolutely nothing. My head was blank. Yeah, you know what I mean? And in my mind, I've got, I counted to three. I don't know if I did or not. I was just in my, but when I started speaking, God just spoke through me. Yeah, I had nothing. Yeah, so I could have said, well, actually, thank you, Edmund, but I've got nothing to say. I'm, you know, I had a missed opportunity because then, I, as I said, I, I don't remember much of what I said. I didn't speak for very long, and then I prayed. But some of the girls had already been tearing up, but there was, you know, there was tears, and people were touched, and then they clapped afterwards, and they're, they're very grateful. And I've just realized, and it happened at my guys a few times as well, if I start speaking, if I'm tuned to love, and I start speaking... God will speak through me. Funnily enough, he will do the same for you. If you're tuned to love, getting before people, getting some vessels, and start to pour into them, speaking, acting, whatever, he will use you. And that's for all of us. Not for 5% of the church. Not for 20% of the church. But for each one. Because there's nothing like it. If you... I'll use the word minute. It's a rubbish word. But if, you, if God uses you to speak to someone, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. It's really good. It might be a bit scary, you know, when you stand there with nothing to say. But actually, they don't know who I am anyway. So if, I, if I'd, made, you know, bombed out, as it were, only Mike and Joe would have known. And Joe keeps going on at me anyway about, the, I think you should tell him off about bullying because he keeps telling me about, am I in tune every time I go somewhere with my violin? Are you in tune, Roger? Okay, and I was vulnerable, and now you're just using it against me. That's not very kind, is it? <laughs> so, so, but, so it's not comfortable. It it's, can be scary. But if you step out, God won't let you down. Yeah? And I'm finding that. And I've got to, I'm going to misquote a verse now. Sorry, Pastor Mark. Um, <laughs> Psalm 81 verse 10 says, Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. It doesn't actually... I'm not sure what it means, but people use it, don't they? But it's true. If you open your mouth, God will fill it. Yeah? Not if you're arrogant. Careful, Theo, in my tuning fork. <laughs> yeah? As we speak out. Because I just want to challenge this. Because in the... Um, I had this phrase, nothing except a jar of oil. If you've got nothing but a jar of oil, you have everything. Yeah? 
Nothing except the Holy Spirit. He will teach you, show you what to say, bring to remembrance, speak through you. John 14, 26. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If you've got a bad memory, that's a great verse. I've got a bad memory. I forget things. But I can trust the Holy Spirit to bring things. Obviously, you have to have had put the word. Don't break it now. <laughs> you have had to put the word in you for it to come out, for you to remember it. It's a remembrance. It's not a kind of, oh, I didn't, I've never read Zechariah, but now I've got a thing from Zechariah. Unless you're Paul. He had Nehemiah and he'd never read him. Didn't you? <laughs> but, um, but, but on the whole, you have to put it inside you for it to come out. So we need to be in the word. Yeah? So God, so we need to get vessels, find a strategy. And for me, some of the things I've been doing, I've been going on the streets, doing the worship on the streets. I've been, uh, we've gone into the prison a couple of times. Um, I've been to Michael House. Um, the, there's obviously the Grow Baby that's going on. There's, there's things going on, there's, there's things in Royston. But not just things that we all do together. There's things that you could do yourself. And you need to find out from God what those things are because he wants to... It's interesting at the prayer meeting on Wednesday, um, two separate households, two separate families uh, were inviting, I think uh, one, uh, Phil and Maggie were inviting people from their street in for coffee to, you know, have a chat. And Dennis and June have got some other people they knew. They were inviting people. So it's that kind of thing. That's their strategy. Um, It won't work for you if you don't have any coffee in the house or you don't like coffee or you haven't got time. But there's something that you can do. And ask the Holy Spirit because he'll be creative. But we need to get vessels. And just to confirm that that we're all different. um, I was, and again in the gym, I was in the gym on a different day on the very watching the little television. I wasn't listening to sounds. I don't know what the program was about. I can make my own backstory. But it, it was, I think it was about it was definitely about Cornwall, and it was following these guys who were fishing. Some families, you know, so they, they would chat to them at home, and then they would show them on the boats and all this kind of stuff. And there was different guys with different boats, so it was a story following. So some of the guys were kind of, they, got, they were reeling in this net, and they were getting lobsters and crabs on all these kind of things. And then uh, another boat, they were going around there. They were obviously looking in lobster nets, pots, yeah, pots. And then one guy was kind of using a line, and I thought, gosh, that's a bit slow. You know, using a line, and all these guys get nets in, and, you know. And then a bit later on, it showed him he got this big fish, which was obviously a pollock, because he put on a little label that said, line caught pollock, fresh from Cornwall. So I thought, yeah, well, that's, that's good. But it struck me that there's all different kind of fish, all different kind of people, and they need a different approach. Again, we watched a program, and sometimes I listen to, Chris Valton, and he says this, you know, just because I recommend you, just because I mention a program doesn't mean it's good to watch. Okay. We watched a program called Gone Fishing, which was Bob Mortimer uh, and Paul Whitehouse. I don't know if you watch it. It's a bit of a benign program, really. They, they go fishing and they cha-cha-cha, and then they, because they both had heart problems, so they eat heart-healthy food. Mark would love it. It's all kind of, you know, cooking stuff that's good for your heart and that kind of stuff. But every week they go for a different fish. And to get a different fish, they have to go to a different place. They have to use different bait, different style, fly fishing. One week, or they were, uh, they, one week they were going for a pike. One week they were sea fishing. And it struck me that we're all different. We're all going to have different strategies to get fish because there's all different kind of fish out there. 
And God wants all those fish caught, all the different kinds. He's not saying, I want all the, diff- all the fish caught apart from sea bass. I don't like sea bass, so I'm not bothered about sea bass, but please catch every other kind of fish. God's saying he wants all the kind of fish um, uh, being, being caught, yeah. And I think it, it, even, even in what we do on the streets, worship on the street is different gifts. Uh, at the, 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 uh, the worship on the street part that, that we do is the whole thing is about worshiping and, and sort of seeing the presence of Jesus come and seeing people affected. When YWAM come with us, they go and talk to people. Stephen goes and talks to people very bravely, talks to big teenage guys and that kind of stuff. It scares me silly. Um, so he does that. And so we all, we all use our gifts out there. So those who are worshippers worship. Those who are talkers talk. D comes sometimes in banners, and that's good. Um, we're all using our different gifts. Phil plays his piano. And it struck me, because Stephen and Connie, they're very brave, and they get out and get into people's faces and that kind of thing. But for me, I don't do that. But the week before last, I spoke to this little guy. And I told you before Christmas about a guy I'd spoken to who was moved by the worship. He was an atheist. So the week before last... There was a guy just watching. I went up to him, said, how are you doing? And he was obviously moved, and so I chatted to him for a bit, and he, he wasn't really, you know, he, he, I think he'd come from somewhere, I can't remember, offhand, Taiwan or somewhere. And um, he wanted to get back to church. But I said, can I pray for you? So I prayed for him, and he was obviously moved. And that was good, and then off we went. I didn't really give him the gospel. I didn't give him the hard sell. He didn't sign a card, blah, 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 blah. You know, and people say, what are you doing? you but I use what I got. You see, I've got a gift that when I pray for people, it's usually very accurate. And they'll say, wow, that was accurate. And I go, was it? Because I don't actually know. You know, people think, hey, you know, it just, just, I've always had it. And I, I think to myself, if I, can get, if I can start to use that on the street with people, so praying for people and God just reveals things to them, Rather than, if I'm talking to people, I tend to argue. I'm very good at arguing. And arguing, you win no friends, influence no people with arguing. So it's learning to use the gifts, the, the, the way God has made us to reach people. And so, so that guy was, there was a helpful to me. So I, I'm not blowing my own trumpet there. I'm just saying this is what happened. And people look at me, and I'm sometimes more shocked than they are. Because I just pray something. And they go, whoa, that was really accurate. I go, was it? I was just praying. And, but it's a gift, isn't it? It's a gift that works, not... Not you kind of not your effort. Okay. God wants to make us fishes of men, doesn't he? He wants to make us fishes of men. He wants us to fish for people. That's what I've been saying. And he'll show us how to catch each kind of fish. And there's a couple of things I, w- I just want to say. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. One of the things that struck me when I was preparing, and you can take this or leave it. We tend to think that people around us are so full of stuff. It's all very well, Roger, you know, you're talking about finding empty vessels. But all the people I know are so full of their own thing, their family, blah, 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 blah. I I don't know any empty vessels. But it struck me that there were some vessels full of water in a town in Canaan of Galilee. And Jesus turned that water into wine. So there's that element as well, that there might be a lot of stuff in people's lives, but if we find the right people and say to them what God is saying and do the right thing, he can change their mundane into beautiful. 
he can save him, can't he? Because the miracle happened with the water into wine. The miracle happened as they took the water to the steward. They didn't look in the, oh, it's all in there. But as they took it, it I don't know when it happened, but it was, there was an act of faith there, wasn't it? The stewards had to take it to the, to the head steward. So I believe God will show us the right vessel, the way to get vessels, how to find them and what to do. And, you know, you might not have enough time. But one of the things that really struck me was that for some people, you've tried it all before. You've heard it before. You're thinking even now, we've heard it all before. I've tried it before. I've done it before. I've tried evangelism. I've tried to get out. And it hasn't worked. Nothing happened. I tried to speak. Nothing happened. Fished all night and caught nothing. Fished all night and caught nothing. There's a clue there. Where am I going next, you know? But because you say so, Lord, I will put down my nets. In the Passion it says, because you insist. There's an insistence about it. It's just, you know, faith life. You've heard it all before but put out into the deep. And this is the thing about comfort. Put out into the deep. Okay? You can't stay where you are paddling around at the edge. You won't drown at the edge, but you won't catch much fish at the edge either. Put out into the deep and put down your nets again. And what happened? There was a miraculous catch of fish. Yeah? In fact, you know, it was like I was imagining it. Um, you know, Peter, okay, because you say so, Lord, we'll put it out. Humor the old boy. Let's go and do it. So, Throws his net over the side. Fish, 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 fish. Oh, oh, no. What's going on? All of a sudden, there's a massive kind of the boat's kind of tipping up. And the, the net's fallen. They have to call to their, to their colleagues, their companions in another boat. The other boat comes and both boats nearly sink. There was a miraculous catch of fish. And Peter says, get away from me, Lord. I'm an I'm a unrighteous man. I'm an unclean man. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. I will make you a fisher of men. And that's, I believe, what Jesus wants us all to be, fishers of men. Finding the ways that he wants us to fish, finding the fish he wants us to fish for, they won't be the same. And that's, that's good. But he wants us to go out into the deep, out into where it's not necessarily comfortable. You know, it can be scary. We're out of control. We could drown. It's deep water. But that's where the fish are. And that's where he wants us to go. He doesn't want to stay paddling on the edge um, in, the, in the safe and the secure. And that's some people, people who are pioneers, that's great. <laughs> they can do that. You know, they do that too much probably. But they can do that. But people who are settlers, like, um, yeah, you find it more difficult. But there's ways that we can do it that how God wants us to do it. So he wants us to make us fishes of men. So let's ask him, who, where, and how, so we can follow the Spirit's prompting to the, vessel, to the vessels and the fish. Okay. Are you happy so far? Because I'm going to conclude now. That means I've only got two pages left. So you're nearly, oh no, one page left. You're nearly home for lunch. We need to, each one of us needs to, tune into love. And stay in tune with love. Spending time with him to allow him to speak, to readjust our strings, whether they're too flat, whether they're too sharp. 
And then we need to go out and find vessels. We need to go out into the deep and find vessels. And allow the Holy Spirit to pour through us into other people by opening our mouths and speaking. We have to open our mouths. When I was standing there in front of those ladies at the jail, if I hadn't opened my mouth, nothing would have happened. I'd have just looked stupid. That guy, he came to see us. He just stood there for 10 minutes and looked at us. Not quite sure what that was all about. But as I spoke, hopefully they were sure what it was all about, and God touched them, and that was good. So we need to open our mouths. Speaking God's word, what he's saying. So hopefully as I'm speaking, I'm saying what God's saying to them, which isn't the same thing to everybody. It's not one size fits all. People aren't sausages. People don't have the same needs. People don't need to hear the same word. We need to just be sensitive. And I put in my notes, we need to say what God is saying. No more. I've put that in big letters. No more. Because we all can tend to talk a bit too much once we get going. No less. Just saying what he's saying. Yeah? So, I want to ask you to respond. I want you to be those who tune yourself to love. Make yourself available to the Holy Spirit. Have I lulled you to sleep? I've lulled Theo to sleep. Hopefully you're not sleeping on me. I want to, yeah, I want to challenge you to be those who, who tune, tune in, but then make a decision. Because it won't happen if you don't make a decision. It won't happen if you're not proactive. If you just meander through your life, you'll occasionally get the opportunity to speak to someone about Jesus. But it doesn't happen very often. And you'll get out of practice and blah, blah, blah. But if you proactively make a decision to look for the vessels, um, that's what I'd like you to do. To go out into the deep, to be a fisher of man, to find out what kind of fish you're supposed to be looking for and how to do it. You know, and don't go looking with the wrong kind of bait or the wrong time and day or, you know what I mean, all that kind of, it's an analogy, really. Um, but do it. but that we should trust the Holy Spirit in us. That we haven't just got the Holy Spirit. I was listening to, uh, I think it was Bill Johnson, you know, he was saying um, that in the Jesus movement, Jesus, yeah, they had bumper stickers saying, try Jesus. And then someone said to them, well, you know, Jesus doesn't come in trials, or the Holy Spirit doesn't come in trial sizes. You haven't got a junior Holy Spirit. You haven't got a bit of the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit inside you, who will energize you, pour through you, give you life, and enable others to hear about him. Yeah, so we have that. So I'd like you to stand, please. And I want to pray, I want to pray for three different types of people. I'll, well, I'll tell you who they are as we go, so perhaps shut your eyes. Um, <laughs> I only say that to stop you being distracted by other people. Um, I want to pray firstly for those who feel they need to tune, retune themselves to love. You know, the, my violin strings go out because the weather's cold or because it's too hot. But if it's cold, you, life might have just been cold and you've, your strings have gone out and you've kind of living by a lesser thing than love. Father, I just pray for those who feel the need to retune themselves to love your love. Reveal yourself to them again, Lord, as a lover of their soul. Lord, I thank you for what it said 
in there about them being delightfully loved. Lord, help. I pray that everybody here would get a sense of being delightfully loved and that you'd help them make the changes in their thinking, in their speaking, in their acting to tune themselves in to love. And I also want to pray for those who desire to find vessels to be fishers. I pray, Holy Spirit, give each person a strategy to see who they should be getting as a vessel and how. Give them strategies. Give creative strategies. Enable each one of us to be vessel gatherers. And it says in the Word to get not a few. In other words, a lot. Don't just settle for one little vessel. Start with one, maybe. But look for vessels. Father, give us strategies to find the vessels, to find the fish. Give us a determination, Lord, to go out into deep water, to go into the scary places, which are not really that scary because you're always with us and you won't let us down. And then for those who've given up, you've heard it all before, fished all night and caught out. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who feel like they want to give up and say, we've caught nothing. Speak to them again. Use my words to be the voice of the prophet, the voice of Jesus saying, go out into deep water. Go out and find vessels. And Lord, I pray that for each person who responds, they will find a harvest. They will find that the oil is, is flowing for every vessel they find. They will find that the Holy Spirit is enough. Gives them the word to say. So, Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you would cause my word to be a provocation. Lord, it wouldn't just be forgotten. That you wouldn't just allow us to go back to a comfortable lunch and forget it. But, Lord, that we would be continually thinking, how can I get vessels? How can I find fish? How can I pour out this wonderful Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit, into the lives of those around me so that there'll be miracles where people who are full of one kind of stuff will become full of wine by the power of God. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.